Hi, this is Pam, and this is Must Love Food. Today, I am really excited because we have one of our summit authors here as our guest, and that's Stephanie Laska, author and creator of Dirty Lazy Keto. And I think, actually, Stephanie, I think you might have been our first author who committed to participate in our summit, which if anybody has not gone to our summit yet, it is at mustlovefoodsummit.com. And um, there are wonderful videos by wonderful authors um, sharing their stories, sharing their recipes. And um, so Stephanie shared her story with us, which is what she basically did with her book. And she's created a whole brand around her way of approaching the keto diet. And she has lost 140 pounds, um, which basically I think she said is half her body weight. Um, and I say, go girl. And how did you do that? Um, I struggle <laughs> and we all want to know your secret. Um, so welcome. Thank you for joining me. And, um, how long did that take you? I'm just curious. Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show and thank you for such a warm welcome and introduction. I'm excited to be here. I'm probably the only chef you've ever had on your program who is an amateur chef, self-taught regular old person without much training, just trying to figure this out. You know what? Everybody starts somewhere. And I, I just love that you actually cook and that you, you look to food to as nourishment, but also as sort of um, a way of health, really. Well, it's definitely changed my life. I mean, as you said, I lost 140 pounds, which was half of my body weight. Um, and it took me about a year and a half. It was roughly 10 pounds a month for a year and a half straight. And since I lost the weight, I've kept it off, which is huge for me. I know a lot of um, your listeners have probably lost weight in the past. And then it just comes back, right? Like you think, oh, that was easy. Now I'm done. And then boom, you start gaining the weight back. So for me, I'm almost more proud of the fact that I've kept the weight off now for seven years. And that's just incredible to me. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm doing this. And it's not that hard. Once you figure it out and you figure out a way of eating that works for you, I just don't think it's that complicated. Uh, I love that you say that it's not that hard because I think that uh, most people probably don't start because they think it is so hard. So had you tried other things before you um, did keto? And I know this is your version of keto. And I love that you've got dirty, lazy keto. And I, a couple things that you wrote or you said are you love to break the rules and this you're a weight loss rebel. So, and, <laughs> and I, I think that also the other thing is that your program is flexible. And I think that's that's one of the, the things in life, no matter what you're doing, if you've got a little bit of flexibility and it's not so stringent and so rigid, your, your um, chance for success is that much greater. Well, I'm one of those people that if you tell me I can't do something, then I immediately obsess about it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, for the rest of your life, you can't have desserts. Well, then that's all I want is the dessert. I'll just think about dessert, dessert, dessert. And so I just... I had to figure out a way of eating that would work for me, um, a way that I could cook and and eat regular food like normal people and not feel like I was missing out. Because I think that feeling deprived is probably the number one reason people do quit a lifestyle or a way of eating because they feel like they're angry and resentful. And even if they won't admit it out loud, um, you know, your willpower only can last so long. And then you start to get fed up. And the first time like an emotional roller coaster hits, something goes wrong in your day or you're stressed or 
happy or celebrating or any kind of emotional reason that we tend to eat, then we revert back to our old habits. So I needed something a lot more flexible, something where I could break the rules, I could do things my way, and maybe not be so darn black and white. Right. Uh, so did you try things before you uh, attempted keto and then before you even made it into your own version of keto? You know, I don't even think I knew what I was doing when I created this way. I uh -huh. just started eating uh, differently. Um, I had certainly in the past tried every other diet imaginable. I've been to all of the shake replacement programs and the meal replacement and the weekly meetings. And, you know, I hate to like throw all those sure. uh, national programs <laughs> under the bus, but I was certainly it a champion. Work for you. I had tried them all. And I think the biggest problem for me was that they were all calorie restriction. Um, I was told I had to weigh and measure everything. I had to write everything down in a tracker system. I had to eat these tiny meals that didn't make me feel satisfied. I felt hungry a lot. And at some point I would just break, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I would just do them for a short amount of time, lose some weight and then go back to my old ways. Mm -hmm. So this was like a whole new approach for me. I remember I was at a barbecue at a friend's house and I hadn't seen her and her husband in a while. And I noticed her husband had lost like a large amount of weight. And I was looking at him and he was drinking beer and he was um, frying chicken and, you know, eating like barbecue foods. And I thought, well, what, you know, he doesn't look like he's on a diet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he was eating all this delicious food, deviled eggs and drinking beer. And I'm like, so I was like whispering, like, what's he doing? What's going on over there? And then that's how I got started basically is uh, my friend said, oh, you know, he's doing, you know, a lot more protein, but he's increasing the fats in his diet, but really he's cutting out the carbs. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Like, tell me more, you know? And then I just kind of went home and started Googling things. And I went to the library of all places back when people did that, you know, <laughs> and, and I would get books on things like what's a carbohydrate, what's low carb cooking. I had no idea. I mean, I came from an era in the Midwest where if I didn't like what my parents made for dinner, like cube steak and potatoes, then I ate a bowl of cereal and it was like fruity pebbles or tricks. <laughs> I mean, this is a real quality upbringing with Kool-Aid and, you know, full sugar Pepsi on the table. So I just honestly had no idea about how carbohydrates affected my body. And I just needed to re relearn it all and maybe start from scratch. Okay, so that was your tipping point. So then you started going along and doing doing a version of keto or whatever. And then you just, how did you kind of create your own brand? How did you, I mean, I guess it just, it resulted in you writing down your story. Yeah, originally I didn't tell anyone what I was doing. I sure. thought I was doing something wrong. I'll be honest. I mean, it didn't make sense. I was putting mm -hmm. sour cream on foods. <laughs> I was putting cheese on vegetables. I had ranch dressing as much as I wanted on my salad. Like I just kept breaking rules. I would full cream in my coffee. And I'm like, how is this possible? You know, I get on the scale. I mean, honestly, I was like, there's something metabolically wrong. I thought I might be sick. Like, how is this working? Like, really? Like, really? I, it, just, it amazed me. And I didn't tell anyone, even my own family didn't know for a long time. It wasn't until, and I don't think I've ever shared the story. One time I came down for, um, you know, in the morning and my daughter looked at me and she said, you're wearing dad's t-shirt. Cause I had slept in my husband's mm -hmm. t-shirt. She says, you're wearing dad's t-shirt. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, 
you don't fit in dad's clothes. Dad's skinny. <laughs> but she was a little girl at the time. Sure, sure. But it was, a, she, it was, I lost, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds. And my, no one noticed in my family. And my little girl looked at me and she said, wow, you're, you're wearing dad's clothes. How, how are you fitting in dad's clothes? It was like, it just came, dawned on her. What had it, had it dawned on you at that point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was exciting. You know, I, again, I was scared. I didn't know what I was really doing. Um, I didn't trust the process necessarily. It's scary when you're losing weight. You don't, I think everybody wants it to happen overnight. Sure. And when it starts, you get really excited. And then when there's bumps in the road, you get worried it's going to stop. And just, it's an emotional journey. Yeah, um, it, it really is. And it wasn't until after I'd lost 140 pounds and realized it wasn't coming back on and that the food choices I was making continued to be working for me. And I, my body was getting healthier. My cholesterol dropped over 100 points. My blood pressure dropped. I had energy. I had clear thinking. I stopped having migraines. I mean, it was incredible. And at that point, I got more confident. And I said, you know, I got to tell people this stuff. This is, it's ridiculous. And keto wasn't really something anyone talked about. This is quite a while ago where it was not even a word that was used. It was more for epileptic patients or mm -hmm. medical intervention, nutritional intervention. It wasn't used for weight loss. So for me, I just didn't know what I was doing. And the only word I could come up with in my research were the words like low carb or keto or ketogenic. So I thought, well, I'm gonna write my story. It's not necessarily a low carb story or a true keto story. It's more of a dirty, lazy kind of story. And that just <laughs> stuck. So I wrote it down and published it on Amazon. I thought, well, someone might find this interesting. And then it well, kind of off from there. <laughs> well, and I was just listening, I think I was telling you, I was listening to a couple of your podcasts, uh, which is Dirty Lazy Girl. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. And they're wonderful, folks. If you uh, want some enjoyment and some information, uh, her podcast is lovely. And uh, But you uh, really shopped your story and you went to, you really had to um, shop it and just have a lot of grit and tell your story and finally somebody said yes. Well, that's a funny thing. You know, people want an expert. They want a doctor, they want a nutritionist, they want someone with lots of, um, you know, cooking credentials and they own a restaurant or some kind of expertise to, to, to tell the story and to help other people with weight loss. But I don't have any of that. I'm just a regular mom. I had two little kids, I was working full time. I have no training. I have not been to chef school, but you know what? I think I've kind of figured something out here. How many people in the world can raise their hand and say they lost 140 pounds? I can tell you, it's probably 0.001% or less. No one does that. It's just, I mean, it blows my mind. And it's like, well, I must have figured something out. I must have something worthy to say. And so I ended up self-publishing my my journey and just telling about my story and it took off. I mean, my book was number the number one low carb diet book on Amazon. It, it continued to be number one in every category. And that's when I realized I need to take this bigger. I want to be reaching a broader audience. And I was terrified. I'm like, I'm not a fancy writer. I'm not a fancy chef, but people loved what I had to say because it was honest. And well, I, I was going to say it's authentic. And I think that authenticity and real and, and honesty goes a long way. And I think people really can identify that. Well, I hope so. And I think the foods that I'm eating, 
I think people relate to them too, because as I share and Dirty Lazy Keto gets started, um, I share 10 recipes that I think get you going because we all have cravings for desserts. We want sugary chocolate type things to eat. We want fried foods when we have cravings or emotional reasons that we eat. So we need like get starting recipes to get going with this. You, you know, people think, okay, I can do this, whatever. I'll follow the, the, the advice she has. I want to lose weight too. But then it's like, well, what do I do? What do I eat? <laughs> That's well, the next I, I want to ask you about the recipes, but I wanted to ask you two things. First, um, was, did you find it harder to trust the process as you were losing weight or once you lost weight to keep the weight off? And what would you say were the hardest and the easiest things in the process? That's a, that's a hard question to answer in a short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, can you please give me all of the magic answers in four seconds? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm projecting here. I would guess trusting the process of keeping the weight off is, would be harder, I think, for me personally. But that's where I'm coming from. I don't know. I think it's easy to get caught up in such big decision-making when really the secret is to focus on the small steps. Okay. And what I mean by that is like, if you had an alcoholic and you told them you never can have a drink for the rest of, the, of your life, an alcoholic might be like, oh, that's horrible. I couldn't do it. You know, the, maybe alcohol was that important. But if you tell an alcoholic, you're not going to have a drink for an hour, that might be more doable. And I hate to put my addiction to carbs or my issue with obesity, you know, in that same realm. But for me, that's the only thing that works. I can't say to myself, you're going to have to go running, you know, this many miles a week. You're going to have to climb stairs. You're going to have to lift weights for the rest of your life. You're going to have to eat 10 vegetables a day. That would just overwhelm me and make me not want to do it. Mm -hmm. I would think that sounds terrible. I'm not interested in that. Let's mm -hmm. turn on Netflix. <laughs> but if I said to myself, don't eat buttered popcorn when you go to the movies, instead bring some celery. I could, that's manageable. Okay. So you just found tricks that work for you and, um, and sort of shared those tricks. Yeah. Focus on the little steps, one meal at a time, mm -hmm. one snack at a time, you know, one week at a time, break it down into smaller steps and then it's manageable. And then over time, you just develop more skills, more recipes under your belt, you get more habits, and then they build upon them to give you more confidence. And then it's like a roller coaster effect. Like I couldn't imagine going back to my old life because I've taken so many good steps in the positive direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking of recipes, um, uh, you made uh, uh, or featured on the uh, video uh, your Friday night wings with Big Bang sauce, which sounds like something you make quite often. Um, Friday nights sound like they are a wild little uh, pool party at your place. Um, and uh, before you even get into that, I was just curious, and I know I asked you this before and I, we didn't uh, get into it. Do you, are these recipes you've developed yourself? Have you worked with kind of a recipe developer or both? Well, my recipe developer are my two children and my husband. Uh -huh. <laughs> my husband and I actually co-wrote um, a whole series of uh, Dirty Lazy Keto cookbooks with Simon. Yes, and I Chester. saw those. Uh -huh. We have a new one coming out too. It's called the Dirt Cheap Cookbook uh, that comes out in September. So that we have three books with Simon and Schuster right now, all the Dirty Lazy Keto cookbooks. And they're all recipes that we use in our house. 
um, things that I've used to help me lose weight, to help me manage cravings, to help us celebrate holidays. We have breakfast, chaffle recipes, snacks, cocktails, and some of them are just embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, like when we first started this process, I'm like, no one's going to want to know what I eat. And everybody wants to know what I eat. Yes, they, they do. Are, they're like, what do you what are you having for a cocktail? Like, do I really have to tell people that? Yes, I do. What are you having for breakfast? Do you still get to have chicken wings or pizza or tacos or birthday cake? What are you doing? And people want to know. So I'm I've told them and I and I tell funny stories um, with each recipe and try to make it personal. Because the truth is you have to figure this out. You're not gonna miss out on junk food for the rest of your life. You just have to make it a new way. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your favorite kind of food? Are you a sweet or a savory, salty? I like large amounts of food. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an answer? I didn't hear that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm not one of those dainty ladies that sit down at a tiny little portion. Like, you know, when you go to a really expensive restaurant. Kitchen. Yeah, they have like this little tiny piece and little this. Like, I don't like that. I want a nice hearty portion of food. And uh, so that's my choice. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I even, in the cookbook, we have these little symbols at the top of each recipe that denote what it's important for, like less mess or fancy for guests or good for leftovers. And one of my icons that I added was bulk eating for when you're hangry. <laughs> when you want to eat a whole lot of food, because that's how I am. So does your family eat this way now? You know what, I don't, I'm not a keto Nazi. I like to say that, because <laughs> my kids are little kids and I don't want to force anything on them. I want them to make their own choices. I think um, kids are likely to rebel if you tell them they can't have things or they can only have things cooked a certain way. So like, for example, I'll make a big pot of chicken on Sunday and then throughout the week, we'll use it. Like tonight, we're going to have tacos and I'm going to have my tacos in lettuce boats, like a romaine sure. lettuce boat. Mm -hmm. And my kids are welcome to use tortilla shells or make rice and beans to go on the side. But for me, I'm not going to have that. I'll just make my tacos with, you know, some chopped up green onion and some black olives and some guacamole, hot sauce and my grilled chicken or um, grilled meat. So, but they're welcome to do it their own way. And I think that works for our family. And I, I think that's another good tip for your listeners is that if you're trying to eat healthier, don't necessarily think your whole family has to jump on board. Just think of it simple. It's like protein, vegetable, fat. It's not that complicated. And then if they want to add some starch on the side, that's up to them. Well, and you also, you include information about dining out and also parties and that kind of thing too. Because I mean, I know those are, I think, kind of trigger things for people or, or holdups. It, it's hard sometimes. You just don't know how to order maybe when you go out, which a lot of people aren't really going out. Okay. So not for right now, but for the future. And, um, for uh, any kind of gathering. So uh, you do include that kind of thing, correct? Yeah, and I, I think it's helpful too, and I talk about this in Get Started Losing Weight, is to have like some go-to meals. Like mm -hmm. have, I call them like my pocket meals. Have like five go-to healthy type things that you can order. That way when you get to a restaurant and you're nervous and you're talking and you're either with colleagues or friends or family, you know what to order even if you haven't looked at the menu. So, for example, if I'm at a diner, 
I can order an omelet. Okay. Any kind of omelet. And then I just say, no potatoes, no toast. Just give me some um, extra avocado or some vegetables on the side or some, you know, berries. Mm -hmm. But they get that. So it's like, I have that in my pocket. I'm ready to go. doesn't matter. Any kind of a diner, casual type restaurant, I could order that. And there's, there's others too. I would just. Sure. I'm just kind of hungry for an omelet right now. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really good. So your Friday night wings is what you made for uh, our, the video. And um, one of the things that I kind of have seen through time is that uh, when you are trying to do a diet modification or a lifestyle modification with food, um, cooking with herbs or sauces or anything that has bolder flavors really helps, I think, one's palate. So there's not um, kind of that... um, I don't want to say boredom, but boredom with food and things like that. And so I think that uh, your uh, your sauce especially intrigued me. And um, but the other thing I really liked uh, that you did in your video is that you um, went through a whole lot of options in terms of um, uh, different low carb or no carb options for coating and how to coat your uh, whatever whatever you're coating. And you used wings or or I guess they were wings. Uh, you talked about um, an egg with um, half and half or mayo, which uh, I uh, have you ever made? Well, probably not since you probably don't eat a lot of bread, but um, uh, grilled cheese with mayo as your um, <laughs> as your coating instead of butter. Um, there's someone in the office who likes to do that. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I love that you gave a lot of different options in terms of coating and low low carb options. Um, but um, they this recipe seemed like it had a whole lot of flavor going on and texture, which is another thing. You want to have some texture, so you got some fried bits, some crispy bits, some fatty bits, and some bold flavors. Is how the recipe seemed to me. And and having having developed recipes for as long as I have, I can taste something by reading a recipe. I love that. I need you to come over to my house more often. <laughs> I'm like, this is exciting. I never really thought of it on those levels. I just know it tastes good and it didn't cost much to bake and it wasn't much trouble. Um, and, and you're right. I think the bolder flavors, um, I, I always say that like years of suffering with Jolly Ranchers like burnt my taste buds <laughs> off. And now I'm at the point where I've lost weight and I can actually taste things for the first time. Like I honestly had never had fresh herbs coming up. And so now as an adult, I'm exploring using real cilantro and chopped dill and it's like fresh basil. And I bought a plant at Trader <laughs> Joe's. I'm like, I am on fire people. <laughs> I mean, I've never had these flavors before. And even the hot sauces too. My husband really introduced me to jalapeno and sriracha sauce and um, just waking up that whole side of my my brain. I had never used those kind of exotic flavors. I was from the Midwest and not to throw my parents under the bus, but I was raised, you know, eating a salad was um, a wedged iceberg, you know, square chopped and like one tomato and a cube of cracker barrel cheese. And that was our <laughs> salad with a jar of, you know, ranch dressing or whatever. So I'm, I'm just excited to try all these new flavors and get in the kitchen and use wasabi and, and fresh herbs and, and all sorts of fun things. 
do you watch cooking shows or anything or do you I don't isn't that no. terrible no not at all <laughs> I have absolutely no training at all no, this is what I'm I do I just go to the kitchen and we make things like 10 times and if it looks good and tastes good and my kids eat it and my husband will eat it and I love it then I write it down and my husband is more the technical guy he's the one like say that again what'd you put in there again I'm like I don't know and then he's like damn it we gotta redo it <laughs> I've been that person in a kitchen where somebody else is creating the recipe and you're the note taker. It is very difficult. (laughs) Um, He's more of the the opposite brain. He's more of the technical, analytical, you know, responsible partner in the relationship. And I'm more of the whimsical, creative, a little bit loud and crazy person. So we're an excellent match. And then in terms of the cookbooks, he does a more of the dictation. Like our newest book is the Dirt Cheap Cookbook. He makes sure that every recipe is $10 or less for the entire recipe. So he's calculating out the price of ingredients. All of our, um, all of the recipes that I share in any of the Dirty Lazy Keto books are 10 grams of net carbs or less per serving. And that's hard to do. Well, and that I- means it's a low sugar you know, option to help people. Well, that was one of the things I was looking at in your book is how you actually calculate net carbs too. So you start, am I getting this correct? And you can correct me because I am no expert. <laughs> I'm winging it here. Uh, you look at the serving size, you look at the total carbs, you subtract the amount of dietary fiber, then the amount of sugar alcohol, and that's your net carbs. Is that that's correct? correct. I know that sounds very complicated when you say it all out loud, but I do have, I do have a graph in all the books. It's on page yes. 38 of the Dirty Lazy Keto Get yep. Started, and I have an example of a nutritional label. And I think that most people don't spend time looking at the nutritional label. I know I didn't. It was something I had to figure out. And I know my kids are in high school now, and they're, they're learning this in health class, and they're teaching the kids, hey, this is what a serving size is. How many servings are in a bag of Doritos? 2.5. Who is eating 2.5? You know, really? Are you sharing a snack-sized Dorito bag? No, you're not. But this is why obesity is such an issue with our youth and, and America, is we don't know how to read a nutritional label. And I think taking a look at it, looking at the serving size, taking a look at the number of carbohydrates, and then subtracting out the fiber, subtracting out any sugar alcohols, that's the number we need to focus on, because that's the amount of carbohydrate that's actually going to move through your system in my opinion Uh, okay okay Okay. it's it's about the impact of your blood sugar if you're eating you know things with a lot of vegetables you're going to have much more fiber you're going to feel fuller it doesn't have as much of an impact on your blood sugar okay all right it's my very technical opinion that seems to work for me. Well, <laughs> we look at this, and as I think I mentioned to you, um, I have worked on uh, a story or two with some of the other kind of um, similar but different diet plans, um, Paleo and, and Whole30, which I cannot speak to. Um, but we did look at net carbs, and I think we were subtracting out the fiber but i don't think i don't know if we subtracted out the um the uh sugar alcohol sugar alcohol or maybe we just subtracted out the sugar i don't remember um it was a while ago so uh, i could take a guess at maybe why sure um and this is i can only speak on behalf of dirty lazy keto but one of the reasons why i call this dirty is that you can break the rules and use fake ingredients most diet programs or other lifestyles don't agree with that. They want you to eat clean. 
They don't agree with eating a bunch oh. of made up chemicals from a laboratory. I, on the other hand, think they're the best thing known to man. I eat sugar-free Jello almost every day of my life. I love it. It's a great dessert that's zero calories. And I put flavored um, artificial colors and sugar-free sweeteners in my water. I drink fluorescent water all day long, which <laughs> probably turns my, I'm having one right now. But you know, these sugar-free Kool-Aids and Crystal Lights and all that, it's all chemicals, but those are all sugar alcohols that aren't properly digested in the same way as regular sugar. So that's why I subtract them. Okay. Uh, speaking of alcohol, I know you said that you can, and, and I know one of your favorite, I think, or at least uh, per your video was, um, or is, uh, Corona, which is pretty funny right now. Um, right. But <laughs> um, so would the, uh, the kind of um, hard seltzers fall into that category too, because they're uh, low in sugar. And um, so I don't know where they fall into the mix. I was kind of curious where the hard seltzers would fall in to the alcohol mix on your program? Well, you're right. I think um, the top two questions I'm asked from people that are new to all this <laughs> are curious. They always say, number one, what does your husband say? Which is like a whole long answer. But then number two is they, they whisper, can we still drink alcohol? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, heck yeah. So I do go through in, in the book, I have a huge chapter on it, all of the alcohols and the amount of net carbs per serving. And I do include all of the seltzers in particular because they're so popular right now, like the White Claw. Yeah. You know, people love that. They go crazy when they figure out they can have that. They're like, what? <laughs> this is like one net carb. I'm like, I know, right? Cheers. Um, but there's also the low, the lower net carb beers, like you mentioned, um, you know, like Michelob Ultra or Corona Premier. But there's a lot of new ones coming out. And it's not just that. You can also have hard alcohols are zero grams of net carbs per one ounce serving. Um, and you just want to shy away from anything that's sugarified, like the the sweetened, um, sure. you know, the sugary cinnamon whiskeys, for example. You wouldn't want those. Instead, you would want just pure whiskey. Does that gotcha. make sense? Gotcha. Yes, yeah. it does. Totally. Yeah. You have to still have your, have your drink. I don't think there's anything wrong with alcohol. The problem I've experienced with alcohol is the decisions you make after having a couple <laughs> glasses. Then you're like, hey, let's go to Taco Bell. Let's get pizza. And then your decision making goes out the window. So the alcohol isn't the problem per se. It's the making good choices a little bit later. Oh, very good point. <laughs> so you need to make sure that you've got your meal planned. There you go. Maybe cooked before you. Yeah. I Make sure you. you have a good, healthy meal before you have a drink or two. And maybe set out snacks if you're having friends over. Set out, um, you know, a crudite platter or chip, uh, like vegetable chips and uh, creamy dip or olives, some meats, deviled eggs, um, grill up some chicken wings. You know, have some food out that you know that you can eat later so you're not going to get trouble in making a run for the drive through border. <laughs> Do you have a favorite recipe that you've done? Um, and I also want to ask about desserts too, how they fit in and what, um, what you like in dessert world that you've created. Probably my, I mean, all of these are my favorites. Honestly, this is uh -huh. what I eat every single day every single day my kids laugh like why do we have a cookbook in the kitchen you wrote it i'm like well i'm i'm getting my ideas like i'm hungry like what should sure. i eat i was making a thai crunch salad yesterday and my husband's like don't make that that's already done you already wrote that i'm like <laughs> but i want it and i can't necessarily remember all my measurements so i'm uh -huh. reading my own book 
Um, that's funny, right? But my, my go-to, I mentioned sugar-free Jello. Every night after dinner, I make a, it's like, a, I think I call it the Taco Bell freeze um, in the Dirty Lazy Keto cookbook. And it's a quick recipe. Anyone can make it with uh, two cups of ice, a small packet of sugar-free Jello of your flavored, whatever you like, um, a can of diet soda, your choice. I use like diet orange soda from the house brand and then just a splash of heavy whipped cream. And I put it in the blender until it's all crushed up. And it's the most heavenly dessert known to man. So is it like a creamsicle kind of flavor? It's delicious. It's like <laughs> a little bit of heaven. And you can add alcohol to it too if you wanted to. Uh, but it's so simple, it's easy to make. I buy the sugar-free Jello on Amazon in bulk, which is very embarrassing. But it's so simple. It's like, you don't have to go all day you know, thinking about a dessert and then feel disappointed because you're on this horrible diet. I feel like with Dirty Lazy Keto, you can still have your sugar-free cake and eat it too. You can have delicious, low-carb, low-calorie options like that. And still lose weight. It's almost amazing. Well, so are you continuing to lose weight or are you just at a maintenance phase at this point? I mean, how do you even balance that part if you continue to eat the same way? Did your body just kind of stop when it's ready to stop? You know, no one ever talks about maintenance. It's like the unknown that no one's ever been to, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so the, the mystery about maintenance is that it's, it's no different. You do the same things that you did while you were losing weight. Um, I may be able to eat a little bit more net carbs per day than I did while I was trying to lose weight, but it's certainly not a magic moment where it just stops. I still weigh myself every morning and every night. My weight still fluctuates. I'll still go up a couple pounds at certain times of the year, just like everybody else. And then other times of the year, it goes down. Or even just during the week, it'll kind of go up and down. So I have to monitor myself. I have to make sure my clothes are fitting the right way. And I have to check myself if I'm, especially when I have a cookbook due, like I had one due this um, last night. I was frantically, you know, remaking that recipes all weekend and testing them again and again. So I'm um, be honest, I ate so much food yesterday because I made cinnamon rolls like four times. So I kept eating them, you know, telling myself I had to make sure <laughs> they were really good. Yeah, right. I ate, uh -huh. four, you know, I ate four times cinnamon rolls. Did I really need to do that now? So now today I know I better reel it back in, drink lots of extra water. I'm going to have a lot more um, vegetable dishes today to even myself out and try to get back on track. Sure. So, so is it's, that a, your, it's a lifetime struggle for me. It's never going to go away. Is that your deep, cheap, dirt cheap cookbook or a different cookbook that you was your... Oh, working on recipes. So yeah, yes. Dirty Lazy Keto Dirt Cheap Cookbook. So that's the one that we, you were just finishing up stuff with yesterday? No. Uh, that one, I haven't even talked about that one. That's, oh, coming, that's it, coming out in January. You're you're all over the place. You know, that one is going to be, um, I'm going to keep that one on, on secret. Okay, we'll keep it on the DL. But I will mention the, the Dirt Cheap. I think that given uh, the times that we're in, I think people are especially mindful of uh, trying to not waste food and trying to eat as economically as possible and uh, and also as healthfully as possible. So um, I think that's uh, kind of a, a nice thing to have in, in that camp there. So... Um, well, it's like all the things that no one wants to talk about. No one wants to talk about, um, 
you know, saving money. People always want to brag about spending money. It's not weird. Me. Yeah. And in my house, that is not the case. We don't brag about this and that. And I don't know. That's just not important to us. We we love to share stories like at the holidays we get together. My husband and his twin brother will argue about who got the best deal on the price of eggs and where did you buy this and where did you buy that? And and everyone kind of, it's like a culture that we have in my family. I don't know if it's different in other families, but we love to say, how much did you pay for that? Where did you buy it? Where are you getting the best deals? And I think if you create a culture that saving money is fun and something to be proud of, as opposed to trying to compete with your neighbors and try to drive some kind of fancy car and outdo the Joneses, I think we all need to just have a mind shift in terms of you know, not being afraid to eat leftovers or not wasting food. Because too often people get caught up in that and that's not gonna help you in life. No, so true. I, I actually um, like to brag about how much I got something on sale. Me too. People I, will say, oh, I like that shirt. And I immediately will tell you, I got it for $2.99 at a thrift store. Like, I cannot wait to tell you how much I yeah. paid for my, my shoes or my watch on sale or whatever. All of the above. I agree. Um, well, it's been a joy speaking with you. Um, we were uh, uh, so thrilled to have you as part of our summit. And um your uh, story is uh, inspiring, and your video is wonderful, and it's and it's it's funny and fun. But that's your personality really comes through. And uh, yeah, um, thank you again for being with us today, and for being part of our summit, and for sharing your story with us and with so many of your your own readers and and viewers and um stephanie's website is dirtylazyketo.com and her podcast is dirty lazy girl um and you can listen to it wherever you um uh listen to your podcast and um thank you again well thank you so much for having me on the show and just as a takeaway i just want your listeners to know losing weight it doesn't have to be complicated doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be boring so hopefully they'll give a dirty lazy keto a try and like you said check out the website dirtylazyketo.com or check out the podcast for more lifestyle advice and i appreciate you having me on the show yes thank you so much thanks for uh spending some of your time with us today bye-bye visit our site to learn about special offers new products and more for purchase we offer live cooking seminars from pasta making and cast iron cooking to pie baking and stir frying techniques. Our special interest publications feature recipes centered around certain topics like feel good food and slow cooker dinners. We also offer custom home branded kitchen tools such as aprons, cutting boards and bench knives. Shop all of our offerings at cuisineathome.com.